0: OHL Hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Originating from the 570
1: News studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. Mike, when is the next Summer Olympics?
0: Uh,
1: I don't follow the Olympics at all. 2020. Okay. By then... Maybe a couple of the London Knights will be free. Wow. Oh, I am just saying. Oh! I am just saying. We really ruffled some feathers the other night on the post-game show after a Knights and Rangers game where we got into the issue of embellishment. We dove into that issue pretty hard. Yes, that was intended. Uh, The following game, that was on a Friday night, the Sunday game, I had numerous people stop me as I walked down to ice level to do the post-game interviews, uh, and they were like... Oh, what are you gonna get fired up about tonight? Oh, you gonna get firewall upset about this? I didn't think I was that
0: bad. So, full disclosure, one of my favorite responses to our post-game show following Rangers Nights, which by the way, we should just throw in there as a as an addendum, was one of the best games of the season. Fans that paid their 23 bucks in Kitchener, as you so eloquently said on the broadcast. We're probably offering ushers another 20 on the way out, saying, I didn't pay enough for this game. 8 6 final, back and forth, tremendous entertainment. One of my favorite emails following that game came from Are You Ready For It? Dale Hunter's former Billet family. He spent a year in Kitchener, you'll remember, before the trade, and never has. Said a kind word. I don't think about Kitchener since. But I got a message from his billet mom saying, hey, he was one of the shyest billet kids we ever had. He's done so much for junior hockey. He has helped so many young hockey players realize their NHL dreams. You're better than that. Get off Dale Hunter's case. Really? True story.
1: That's bold. (laughs) Um the Rangers have a saying, once a Ranger, always a Ranger. I think he might be the one exception to that rule. <laughs> now, in
0: fairness, while we certainly uh, fueled the fire in the post-game, this all began. Let's be honest about it. It all began with both coaches. Both coaches got into it. Jay McKee felt as though there was some embellishment on the part of Evan Bouchard that led to a critical power play opportunity for the London Knights. Dale Hunter when asked about that said they dive too which is in my opinion if you want to split hairs and mince words is an admission that your team dives because you're saying they also dive so that means we dive but so do they I don't know I still think one of the greatest plays of the game was by the Knights equipment manager after the Rangers had come back from a three goal deficit to tie it and uh Joseph Raymakers had an equipment issue and the equipment manager took the longest stroll from the bench out to the crease to attend to it. Either way, the coaches got the embellishment slash diving talk started. You and I continued it. But this is something that's undeniable and we can be accused of picking on the London Knights if people want to accuse us of that. But this is a narrative that has been running through the league and as far back as 2005. All you have to do is a Google search with London Knights and diving in it and you'll get all kinds of great things including a quote from former Kitchener Rangers head coach Steve Spot that said after one game the only thing missing tonight was a swimming pool.
1: Listen, I, I want to go back just for a second. I... Well, I'm going to Quick note That we started The the talk Even before the coaches Mentioned it Because we were talking About Bouchard We talked about Formington uh, We talked about Cole Timkin I believe it was Timkin Or Moscow Moscow, Billy Moscow Sorry yeah And then we also talked About Greg Morales On Kitchener's side Who uh, enhanced A penalty call And you know I I thought we called it out Pretty plain as day That that's what he did Um, So there was a few of them During the game for sure I just want to touch on Dale's former Billet family There's I don't think you and I have ever denied the influence he's had on junior hockey and the influence he's had on that London Knights organization. Keep in mind they were terrible at one point. 3 wins I think was the record or the the lowest of the low and they take over and they've never been below 500 since the first year he took over which was the halfway point I believe. It, he's outstanding. What they do is tremendous. We like we wouldn't there wouldn't be a, such a universal hate if they weren't good. Much like John Tavares goes back. If no one's booing you, you're probably not good enough that they care. And I think that's that's kind of why um, why so much hate is around London. Obviously, this kind of diving thing doesn't help. But I don't think we're ever denying the the greatness that is Dale Hunter. Now, aside from that, yes. They were diving. They were diving all over the place. I, I couldn't believe Billy Moscow stayed down in front of the London bench for that long and then got up and acted like everything was fine. And it's not just this year's team. It, it is. It's an epidemic almost that it happens each and every year. I'm, n- I'm not going to be one of the ones that says that they're instructed to do so that they're instructed to take a dive or if it's just known throughout the halls that you do what you can for a power play. I think that there's other players around the league that do the same, but it seems like each and every year that this league goes on that somehow, somewhere, some game, some team is mentioning it when, when it comes to London. Rocky Thompson went
0: off on the Knights During the playoffs a couple of seasons ago That's the most recent up until this Incident between the Rangers and Knights In that regular season game at the Odd But you're right, when you talk about the history And We're not revising history here the history exists. As I said, this has been a narrative that has run through the league for more than a decade at this point. And you're also right when you talk about not just Dale Hunters, but the entire Knights organization's greatness, the championships that they've won, Midwest division titles, Western Conference championships, a couple of Memorial Cups thrown in there. I'd still say the Windsor Spitfires are the gold standard with three championships in the past decade, Memorial Cup championships. And the curious thing is, you never hear accusations like this about the Spitfires. At least I don't recall hearing them. I haven't seen them pop up in a Google search when it comes to diving in the junior hockey ranks. And and my biggest problem with it is when you look back over the years, they have had such tremendous talent on these London Knights teams. I don't know why that is a tactic that seems to be one that the team goes back to year after year continually. But As a former Ontario Hockey League coach pointed out to me when he sent me a message following that game between the Rangers and the Knights, he says, if you can't beat them, join them. And he would have done anything in his playing career for a power play. So if that's the way the game is played, then go out there and join the London Knights and the Olympic diving team.
1: I don't think that there's any any doubt that other teams and other players in this league and every league do it. It's just not as prevalent and not as consistent as the London Knights players, whether it be five years ago or this year. Um, you mentioned that they're too good, and that, that was my main point of contention and why I, I, I went off a bit after Friday in, in the post game show is just that guys like Alex Formanton and Evan Bouchard are too good to do that. Like, Bouchard was a top-ten pick to the show. Like, he can dominate any game he wants. The OHL, it seems like it's too easy for him at times. He's that good. And he, he yes, it was a cross-check, but we've seen cross-checks plenty worse each and every game where the player doesn't scream in agony and hold his wrist and bend over and look to the referee. Billy Mosca was down in front of the ice like he got took a stick to the eye, hops up once he sees the ref didn't give him a call, and skates the bench. F- Formanton was all over the place. He looked like he... You know, he got out of the the fish tank sometimes. It was was bad. And he's another guy drafted to the NHL, started at the NHL this year. Like, why? You're not a fourth-line duster. Like, you're not trying to say, you know, show the coach, well, I drew a penalty there. Like, you're all over the score sheet. They both had four points. What are you doing? Like, just play the game the right way. NHL teams look at that and they go, what are you doing? Like, man up. There's, you know... There's NHL players that scream at players for getting seriously hurt and stay down on the ice. Make your way to the bench. That stuff doesn't fly in the NHL. And if you, if you think that Evan Bouchard is going to go to Edmonton and Milan Lucic or Connor McDavid is going to say to him, hey, way to lie down and draw that penalty, fat chance. You think Quinn's going to deal with that? Are you out of your mind? He's going to lose his mind on him. They're too good for that. There's no reason... That they should be doing that in a in a hockey game at any level. They're far too talented, and, and you should be leading by example. As far as I'm concerned, I could not agree more with that
0: assessment. I it it's not the way the game should be played particularly when you have that level of talent let me give you my and that's by the way exactly what Rocky Thompson said when he went off as the Windsor Spitfires coach a couple of seasons ago he said there are things that the NHL is trying to get out of the game one of them is diving if they think this is going to translate at the next level and so on and so forth here's my wacky theory my completely out there off the charts theory for this episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast by the way Find us on Twitter at farwell underscore OHL or at underscore Chris Pope. Sponsorship spon- opportunities still available and use the hashtag ask FNP. Here's my wacky theory for this episode Dale Hunter and the London Knights coaching staff are as passionate as they come. They get fired up. They'll fire back at the other head coach when he accuses their team of embellishing and so on and so forth. And they'll get angry and frustrated. But deep down in all of this, every good story needs a villain. And the London Knights, especially Dale, loves playing the villain. Because you know what? If we're
1: talking about this stuff, we're not paying enough attention to his hockey club. Yeah, well, he's, he's okay with any pub is, is good pub, right? Like we t- we've talked about at length on this podcast that sometimes the OHL as a league doesn't like to talk about the negative. Dale's like, I don't care, talk about us whatever you want We don't care, like, whatever it is, as long as you're saying the London Knights that, That's fine, they're, they're cool with that It's it's publication and they're alright with it I, But like, but Jay says that stuff about diving And then Dale, and apparently Mark Hunter was getting on the bus Screaming at reporters, and screaming at Dale To what to say to these reporters Like, I mean, we talked about their success Never under 500 you you talked about windsor being like the the gold standard with three championships in nine years but i feel like they've they've had more championships but london's been more consistent windsor goes up and down up and down up and down london's just like no we're good like if your kid comes here you're going to have a shot at a championship Does that's not to say the same thing in other franchises even windsor that's won three and nine um But all that success aside, NHL success Both have been to the NHL, both now CHL They're acting like children And it's one thing to say it, but it's like I tweeted, it's like when you get in trouble And your brother and you were doing something And you get in trouble, well he did it too Like really? Dale Hunter Is that thin-skinned? Mark Hunter Is that thin-skinned that when someone says Something negative, you have to answer Back? And completely Unrelated on on a smaller Note, but like Yeah, Hunter played in the NHL, and the best chirp he had was, our records better? Like, be be a better chirper. That's awful. Uh, Let me go back to your point about the consistency, which cannot
0: be disputed. The numbers don't lie. But would you rather be the Buffalo Bills or the New England Patriots?
1: Well, New England, but Buffalo's not in the playoffs every year. Like, at least London's in the playoffs each and every year. Yeah, but
0: Buffalo went to four straight, went to four straight Super Bowls. The London Knights went to three straight Memorial Cups, came away with one. I think you'd rather be the Windsor Spitfires. I'm sorry to say, I get your point on consistency, but when the smoke clears and the dust settles, the championships are what matter, and the Windsor Spitfires
1: have more. I I just think if we're talking the best general manager, it may be Warren Reichel, because he's built more championship teams, but I'd have to go back and look at who London lost to in the other leagues, because at at least the last year it was... You know, Windsor went out out and out loaded or loaded up and they beat a pretty good Erie team in the final. I don't know what other teams beat London, I can't remember. I just think the consistency year in and year out is more impressive to me than three and nine. All right, let's
0: go from the London Knights and the Kitchener Rangers and that great battle that fans got more than their money's worth for and led to all of this talk about embellishment and diving. To another team in the Midwest Division, the Owen Sound attack and defenseman Trenton Bork slapped with the 5-game ban from the league for verbally abusing an opposing player. And the Owen Sound attack organization and Bork himself came clean about it with a post on the attack's website. He called another player a Euro. He was apologetic for it. Uh, You and I discussed this during one of our Rangers broadcasts on 570 News. I will say that this is consistent on the part of the league because I remember a lifetime ago, uh, it was a game between the Rangers and the Guelph Storm and a Storm player got the same suspension for calling, I believe it was Boris Valabek, forgive me if I've got my import defenseman mixed up, but that's what Valabek said. The guy said to him, he was penalized on the ice and suspended after the fact for calling a player a Euro. Is the league being too strict when it comes to this sort of thing? What if you call a kid a Yank or a Canuck? It was
1: expletive Euro.
0: Oh, sorry. For, for the record,
1: uh, <laughs> I don't. I'm sure it was the only time that expletive word was uttered during the game, though. So um, I, I, I don't know. It's. I'm not in a position to say because my outlook is I believe that the league is becoming too stingent on that type of stuff on the derogatory comments however I'm not the one on the receiving end I don't know how like the word Euro you, you mentioned that Boris said it didn't bother him but that's not to say if another European born player in this league heard it that it wouldn't bother him and maybe it would so I think you know with the, the league's outlook on talk today and how everyone's inclusive and uh, it's it's standing up to homophobia and stuff like, and racial stuff. I think it's a hard line to draw. So you need to either draw it where it's a full blanket statement on everything because you can't say, oh, it's okay to call someone a Euro, but it's not okay to use a, a, a homophobic slur that's been used numerous times for the, for the ages in, in the sport. You need to be able to find out a different way to be able to... Handle your anger And the league has issued It's not like you said It's got a track record That if you use that word Then you're going to get suspended And Trenton Bork used it Well he got suspended
0: As we're coming down the stretch In the Ontario Hockey League There are so many great races To look at Particularly in the Western Conference Where you've got the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds And Saginaw Spirit Going hammer and tong for Top spot in the West Division and second seed in the conference. You've got London and Ottawa going neck and neck for the overall points lead, the OHL point total. But at the other end of the spectrum, do the Flint Firebirds and Kingston Frontenacs have any idea what's on the line when they keep winning hockey games? The rights for right are there, and yet the Flint Firebirds, at the time of this recording, just won another game over the Owen Sound attack, and they might be
1: spoiling their chances of getting the exceptional Shane Wright. It's unbelievable, isn't it? (laughs) Flint gets off to just the worst start ever, and then you're like, well, at least they're going to get this exceptional kid. Then all of a sudden, they turn it around under Eric Wellwood, who's doing a heck of a job down there in Flint, and then Kingston starts to falter. Well, then they have the the toilet bowl game where they're facing each other and Flint's got it or Flint uh, was or Kingston had one more point than Flint and then Flint wins that game to overtake Kingston in the standings and you think oh my gosh Flint what are you doing but then Kingston wins another game and you're like finally right where Flint belongs in the basement and then they win again I I, I know that you would never encourage losing in an organization and I'm sure they want it as a point of pride to not be the last place team. And even as we talked about today, Shane Wright coming in with exceptional status. Well, that first overall pick, even if it is pick number two, is still pretty good. But you got to think you got that every round now. And you obviously have a chance to turn your franchise around with one pick in a guy like Shane Wright. And I can't believe that Flint's going to blow this. Like, I want so bad for them to get Shane Wright. I'm so bad but I think that they're actually going to blow it. And I think it's going to be the big story next year. The Erie Otters got a kid
0: named Connor McDavid, and even after he was gone, they continued their record setting run of four 50 win seasons in the Canadian Hockey League. Absolutely incredible stuff, sparked, of course, by the drafting and reporting of the exceptional Connor McDavid. So, you and I had the opportunity uh, because the Kitchener Rangers played the Guelph Storm a couple of times in fairly quick succession to ask on the air during one of our rangers broadcasts on 570 news did the guelph storm have it figured out we started talking about that when they had won five in a row at the time of this recording it's now seven in a row the most recent being uh, an 8-4 drubbing of the kitchener rangers do the guelph storm does that super team on paper finally have it figured out and should the rest of the western conference take notice uh, yes
1: and no. I mean, when we saw them, they looked fantastic. Kitchener didn't look very good. That was on a that was on this past Sunday. Um, but it just looked that was one of those games where the other team is just better than you. And Guelph showed that their top end talent is ridiculous. But when we saw Guelph in Guelph not too long ago, it looked like they weren't even trying. And I, f- I am. As an outsider, I'm looking at all those trades being made and all the talent brought in, and it really looked like they just looked at their, themselves on paper and were like, "We're going to be gross now. We don't have to work at anything. We don't have to listen to the coach. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to play the right way. We don't have to get pucks, you know, in behind the other team's defense. We don't have to, uh, you know, be disciplined. We can just do whatever we want. We're too good." And I think they got a quick realization that that's not the case. You know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And that was the case in Guelph against Kitchener. Have they got it figured out? I don't know. The seven-win-win streak, they probably should win six of those games easily, even without trying. Um, Flint, Erie, Windsor, even Kitchener. The big one was against London. We may not know if
0: the Guelph Storm has it figured out yet, but their head coach and
2: general manager, George Burnett, might know better. I don't think you ever got it conquered, that's for sure. I I, I like some of the things that we've done. Uh, You know, we've, uh, uh, we've played... You know, when, the rec- when you look at the record, we've played really well against the teams above us, and we've struggled uh, a little bit against a couple of teams behind us. And, uh, uh, you know, so I-, I guess that makes everybody wonder uh, a little bit. Uh, um, you know, there's- we can make all kinds of excuses. The bottom line is, is uh, we're, uh, we're trying to be, I think the most important thing is that we're playing our best hockey when the postseason arrives. Um, we have played uh, improved hockey over these last seven, ten games, uh, uh, and, and uh, um, you know I, I think we're in a we're in a in- unique position. Uh, you know, when when we did make the moves, so it wasn't our plan to go into the deadline and make the number of moves that we made. The uh, the last one in particular, really just. It just happened. It wasn't something that was being talked about for weeks and weeks. I think the, you know, the the Entwistle and Gordieve and and Phillips, those were moves that you know there was some long term discussions and and possibilities for those things to happen. But the other uh, the move that saw Spring and Dersey and and Robertson and, and uh, uh, Suzuki, that was uh, uh, something that was a little more a little closer a little more last uh, last few days so to speak adding into the deadline and that wasn't an easy move to make uh, despite you know the credentials of the players that came in Um, you know we we took three or two two very young good good players out of our lineup that that, uh, you know when we get together again next September we might be wishing we had them so uh, uh, but uh, again we made a decision as an organization and uh, we push on it and uh, uh, we're just we're just trying to be better and uh, I think, uh, you know, we're, there's been some good signs, but as I said, today's a great test for us to, uh, to push back. Our, one of the things that had to improve at the deadline of Christmas, I think we had five road wins, and uh, uh, we've, we've been a, a better team on the road in the second half of the season, and uh, something has to continue. they got a big test coming up against Saginaw. That one's going to be big.
1: Saginaw's on a win streak of their own. Saginaw's leading the West Division, and uh, it's two heavyweights going toe-to-toe this weekend. Is Saginaw going to be able to hang on in the West
0: Division? The the track record, look, they've been tremendous in the second half of the regular season. But the track record for the franchise, not that any of these players would know, but has not been good. They've never come out of the second round. Only three times have they won a playoff round in the history of the franchise. Again, the players that are competing right now have no idea about that. But it's just kind of funny. It's like the Sarnia Sting who have never gone beyond the second round of the playoffs and and that's despite having Stephen Stamkos on their team at one time they just couldn't get out of that second round the Saginaw Spirit have had the same struggles despite having guys like Vincent Trocek and Brandon Saad and uh, Justin Key among others over the years they've got a great team on paper this year I get the sense the way they're going they will hang on and win the West Division grab that two seed but how far can they go against a western conference that's really stacked up again i don't know uh, i'd like to see it for the franchise i, I really would i know uh, mr gosling and company
1: put in a lot of effort down there don't forget a guy like dylan sataway scored 41 year down there talk about sarnia galchenyuk and yakupov on the same team look at last year's club where they went out and brought in guys like jonathan ang and they had uh, mitch Elliott was still there um Oh, the, the St. Louis pick, Jordan Cairo They were loaded top to bottom And fell to Kitchener Um, I, I don't, I can't envision a world Where Saginaw doesn't To be honest with you, you look at the suits, even tonight They got severely Outplayed by Sudbury They only had three shots in the first period Uh, they were outshot 42-17 to 17 or something Like that, I believe, with a 3-1 loss to Sudbury The Sioux seem to be sliding Here down the stretch, um well, Saginaw's just picking up speed. Obviously, you bring in guys like McLeod and Tippett, um, and that that does a lot for a hockey club. Even even the defenseman Murray from Barry, um, they, they've made some moves this year that have allowed them to be successful. And I, I can't envision a world that Saginaw doesn't. They they might even be my pick to come out of this Western Conference. Every time you see them, they got four lines, and that fourth line is bruising. Each time we saw them, Jay McKee postgame hasn't talked about the Tippets or um, the McLeods or the Gilmores or Perfetti. the Prosphotovs or the Perfettis. All he talks about is their fourth line. That is a bruising fourth line, and those are the lines that it takes to win in the playoffs. I think if we just look towards last year, the Rangers didn't win two rounds because of Cole Sherwood and Adam Mastroen. Yes, they were great, but they won two rounds because of guys like Damiani, Morellis. And McHugh, their shutdown line, that's what won them two rounds. And when you got a fourth line that can just overpower other teams' third and fourth lines and make you hurt and make you play tough hockey, that's what's going to take you distances.
0: So maybe, according to you, the Saginaw spirit take the West. You've got uh, the field versus my pick of the London Knights who will just march on and be like London. They've clinched another Midwest division title. Uh, they're not too far away mathematically from clinching the Western conference. And I, I think, uh, I think you're onto something there with the Sioux. I don't know what it is. Like is. They've had such a great season. We had the conversation with General Manager Kyle Raftus on an earlier episode of the Farwell and Pope podcast and wondering what it is in the water. He was having, having these decisions. Do you sell off and recoup assets? But how do you, when the team is going so well, the Haytons, the Frosts, the Sambrooks, the Volaltas, the How to Shells, How to Shells having such a great year. But maybe it's almost a case of peaking too soon or just running on empty as this season comes down uh, to the end it's going to be interesting. interesting. There's a lot of pride up there in Sault Ste. Marie. I know that much, and they will not go quietly into any night, but it certainly seems that the the younger, maybe hungrier Saginaw spirit are putting on this late season surge to wrap up the division, and as we said, that second seed. Final thing before we go. Yeah, Just
1: real quick, I was uh, I, didn't, I don't know where you were going, so I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> but uh, I'm, al- I'm always quick, and someone on Twitter pointed out, too, that uh, you know I won a case of beer with Flint hitting 10 wins. We have talked about on this podcast that we also had another case of beer. We picked a player, and I said he wouldn't hit a certain goal total, and you said that he would. I owe you a case of beer. That player hit his goal total, so we were at a wash with the Flint and Goal total bets, and now it is up to a case of beers to see who comes out of the Western Conference. So I just want to point out that you won a bet, and I lost. All right, yeah, we're keeping them even, and we're uh, we're not,
0: well, we'll just have a beer together, but we might be buying, you know, we're going Dutch, poper oh, okay. We're going Dutch on that one. I was just going to ask, lastly, with London putting together a nice little uh, winning weekend, now two points back of Ottawa for the overall OHL lead in in points. Can the 67s, it's just a two-point gap as we record, can the 67s hang on for an eventual Ottawa-London OHL championship, which is what I think it's going to be, and have home ice advantage, or are these hard-charging nights going to make it happen again?
1: Isn't it interesting how a change of scenery can do so much for a teenager, eh? Like, the struggles Michael DiPietro has had in Ottawa is just mind-blowing. Like, he... They're a much better defensive team than Windsor was So it's not like he's not getting the help he, It's almost like he's just uncomfortable He can't seem to find his comfortability And if that doesn't work Luckily for James Boyd and Co They do have a guy in Cedric Andrea That's shown he can get it done But there's almost Like I can't believe I'm going to say this But there's almost a controversy over there like, do they start Andre? Is he the guy? Is DiPietro the backup right now? I don't... It's interesting because he's so good and he's a game changer. And yes, come playoffs, that flip does get switched. And he is the guy. He is a pressure goaltender. 100%. But numbers don't look so hot for Mikey right now. Um, I, I'm i sure Ottawa will hold on to that top spot. They've, again, three losses all year at home. You better hope for anyone in like so, th- so what they just walk to the OHL championship right like you're never going to beat them four times in seven games at home are you I-, I don't think so I don't know there's not a doubt in my mind that Michael DiPietro starts the
0: playoffs for the Ottawa 67s the team clearly has the luxury of going to Cedric Andre should they need him but listen it's it's a great time of year We we talked about a game in Kitchener that finished 8-6. The coaches probably hated it, but the fans were treated to so such an entertaining 60 minutes of hockey. Uh, it's a great time of year to be a fan of this league, and hopefully fans are out there enjoying things as you and I get set to, uh, to go on the road again. We're actually recording this literally on the road, just like we did coming home from St. Catharines. We're recording this as we come home from Hamilton, where the Rangers lost their third in a row, and the Bulldogs uh, snapped a snap to five game losing skid to stay in that playoff picture down near the bottom of the east and the, the Rangers are still clinging to fifth but we've got Guelph and Erie on the horizon with the week ahead so we'll find something uh, on those travels to bring in for the next episode of the podcast.
1: Rangers fall to one game below 500 on the road. First time they've lost three in a row since the beginning of January and now a handful of games left. If there's any time to flip the playoff switch to get that playoff mentality and we saw some of those some of the players on the Rangers squad now that are, you know, leading the way—the Hugs, the Damiani's, the morellises the Yanceses, they really took an extra step in last year's playoffs. It's time for those players to take that extra step now. Like Riley was talking about, some players goofing around before the game in the dressing room and smiling and stuff—that doesn't happen in playoffs. You, you know, the moment you wake up on a playoff game day, you better be ready to go. And I think that needs to start happening with this Rangers Hockey Club or it's going to be a pretty quick end of the month for this Kitchener team, no matter who they play, whether it is Guelph or whether Guelph slides up into third. You never know. You and your stupid ideas. Don't even
0: breathe it. It'll be Guelph and Kitchener almost certainly in round number one. We're into the stretch and everything you need to fill your OHL hockey appetite. You'll find it right here on the Farwell and Pope podcast. I'm Farwell. And I'm Pope. Did I mention this is the Farwell and Pope podcast? This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener.